Hello and welcome to episode six of the High Side News podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded and released on our usual day of Wednesday at 10.22 a.m. Uh, this weekend, we had the return of MotoGP and it was completely wild to say the least. Joining me once again to talk to you all about the opening weekend of MotoGP is Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Jack, I hope you're well, mate. Now that we've had the full weekend of MotoGP action, did it live up to your expectations? Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, you definitely can't say it wasn't action-packed. Maybe the main race in the middle was a bit dry, but apart from that, there wasn't I think there was one moment of the weekend where something crazy was going on. Hmm. Dawn, I hope you're well as well. Uh, one of the teams that you do the media work for has some exciting news this weekend. Would you care to tell us some more about it? Yeah, thank you, Luke. Uh, McCarran Racing have added a third rider, Max Wadsworth, to uh, the British Super Sport team. So we're really looking forward to working with him and he's out at the moment in the first session of testing at Silverstone. Exciting times for uh, McAdams Racing. Uh, right, let's uh, let's jump straight into it then with the, the wild opening weekend of MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3. And I don't think there's any better place to start than arguably the biggest and most talked about incident on social media this weekend and still into this week, which is uh, Mark Marquez, who um, was back to his usual antics where uh, he decided to become the most hated man in Portugal on the weekend by taking out home hero Miguel Oliveira. Um, Honestly, I'm quite surprised that Marquez made it out of Portugal alive. Um, The fans didn't look very happy. Uh, Jack, what did you make of the incident itself? Uh, well, it was just a massive mistake. Simple as that. Obviously, we knew he was. We could tell from the from Saturday onwards, he was overriding that bike to make to try his best to stay inside the top five, and just breaking maybe pretty break that little bit too aggressive or too late, or something happened. We didn't let the front tire heat up quick enough, but whatever the outright mistake was it it has caused a massive consequence for free riders yeah um probably should add some uh context from the actual position wise uh miguel Oliveira, jorge martin and mark marquez were all fighting for um a podium position at the time and uh marquez sent a dive bomb up the inside pretty much and like jack said braked a little bit too hard and uh ended up knocking Martin uh, wide. He continued on into the race and absolutely T-boned Miguel Oliveira, uh, a bit similar to Jack Miller and Cal Crutchlow at Silverstone in uh, 2015 when they were teammates. And uh, as a result, neither Miguel or Mark will be racing next uh, this weekend in Argentina. So we'll be four riders down this weekend, actually, in the MotoGP field. Um, Dawn... The aftermath of it as well on social media has been it's it's been large as as well and at trackside you could see the fans in Portugal weren't happy. What did you make of it all? Yeah, it it was just unfortunate that round one has had to deal with such a big blow, and I had a feeling something like this might happen because, like you say, he's riding the wheels off that Honda at the moment, and just through sheer desperation, he made that you know silly mistake. And it hasn't done him any favours whatsoever. No, it, it really hasn't. And to say 
he was doing uh he was doing so well uh, as well in the build up he got pole position which was uh, took everybody by surprise i think um and he is, he has been handed a double long lap penalty uh which also caused some confusion uh because the the original wording from the FIM and uh, i wrote it down was the FIM MotoGP stewards panel has imposed a double long lap penalty for the Gran Premio Michelin della Repubblica Argentina MotoGP race, which Marquez then announced that he wasn't going to be riding after a hand uh, surgery. So that would have meant at the time, Mark would have missed out on his penalty because he wouldn't have been riding. The FIM have now since gone back and changed the wording and made it so it's the next race Mark takes part in, which looks like it would be America. Um, uh, Jack, what did you make of the whole sort of FIM sort of mistakes that they made in giving these giving this penalty to Mark with the confusion it caused? Well, I think it's, it will teach them now to never specify what Grand Prix you rather will have to serve it in and just say the next the next GP because this is causing right confusion. But I think the only thing that's saved them really is the fact that in their statement they did say provided he's fit. So that's the only clause that has got them out of this sticky situation. So it's lucky the FIM have said that. Otherwise, uh, we might have had a few angry riders, especially considering now that he's got to take it at Austin. And we know Mark is his former Austin. So a lot of riders will be very happy that he'll be losing effectively around about five to six seconds freely. So obviously they all we wanted to make advantage of that. So I think... It was a right decision, but it, it definitely wasn't the smoothest way of doing it. Yeah, um, it really wasn't. And Dawn, there were there were riders who were calling for Mark to be banned from the next race that he could take part in. Did you think that was uh, a little bit too far? Or did you think with with everything that Mark's done in his career and all the riders that he has seemingly at this point frustrated, would a race ban maybe have been a correct decision to calm him down yes i think it would actually because i think you know in the next round that he takes part and he's got the long lap penalty will that irritate him more will he come back with the same action you know thinking i've got to i've got to get to the front i've got to do this i've got to do that so i think for him to fear a race ban would perhaps have been the best best punishment for him yeah, I guess the thing with the long lap penalty, and I guess you, you sort of mentioned it there, if Mark's on, say, the second row in America, he will send it up the inside knowing that he wants to be out in front by quite some distance before that penalty gets given to him. And Jack, you might know this better than me, but do you know where the long lap is at, at Cota? Where about turn, it is on the track? Turn 13 and 14, the double, the really two the double right before the, yeah, yeah. the last step in the sector three. So uh, I remember, uh, I don't know how good the tarmac is, but I'm trying to remember, I definitely remember somebody crashing there last season. But I think Sergio Garcia crashed there. I don't know if he crashed while doing the long lap, but it's, uh, we know Cote is really bumpy, has been resurfaced. I'm not sure how much it has been resurfaced, but we saw in Portimao last year, uh, this weekend, when Vietti had to take the long lap, it was still the old service and extremely bumpy. So, in theory, this long lap's going to be a bit difficult. But it is a very, it's a very easy one. It's just a very big loop. 
it's a bit tight to begin with, but then it's quite easy. But it's uh, it's definitely not um, ideal for him. Yeah, I'll ask you the the same question I asked Dawn as well. Do you think a race ban for Mark Marquez too much or maybe deserved? Um, I'm not sure because I'm trying to. I've looked over past penalties in terms of this weekend. Obviously, it's not been like a crash of that magnitude, but it's it was the strongest penalty given or a joint most harsh penalty given of a double long lap. We've had crashes in the past couple of years, like Sam Lowe's when he knocked off two riders at Styria and he had to stop from pit lane. Zark when he knocked off Morbid, when he and Morbidelli collided, he had to stop from pit lane. So maybe they could have chose a pit lane option, but um, I think we'll have to just wait and see to understand how bad Mark is affected by this double long lap, but I'd say... It was the safest penalty they could have gone with, but I reckon I would have been more satisfied as a as a right if I say if it was Miguel, I'd be more satisfied if it was a pit lane start or a or a race ban. Yeah, I don't think the uh, RNF, a prettier team who Miguel rides for, um, were too happy with the decision. And at first, especially when they thought Mark was going to get away from it, but it is now confirmed Mark will take a double long lap penalty at um, Cota and we'll just have to see how that plays out obviously he will be missing from the uh, Argentina Grand Prix where he's also gone really well in the past um, and Repsol Honda have announced they're not going to replace him for the Argentine Grand Prix uh, just I guess some some other things looking ahead to, to this weekend before we look back to, to Portimao other riders who won't be there um, Bastianini won't be taking part with the uh, factory Ducati team after a crash at Portimao involving another Ducati rider. Um, Paul Espargaro won't be taking part, and we don't know when we're next going to see Paul on track, really, with the extent of his injuries. Um, spinal injuries and a draw, jaw injury as well, I believe, for, for Paul Espargaro. Miguel won't be taking part, and neither will Mark. So that's four MotoGP riders out for, for this weekend coming up. Um Anyway, back back to, to last weekend with Portimao, sprint races. They were a lot of, on a lot of people's uh, topic of conversation this weekend. I personally really like them. I thought sprint races were a good addition. I know there are a lot of journalists out there who absolutely hated them, but um, I thought they were great. I thought they were as exciting and as impressive as I, I expected them to be. Dawn, what did you make of the addition of the first MotoGP sprint race? Really, really exciting. It delivered everything. We were sat in the garage, it's on into an all crowded round watching it. And I just thought it was really, really enjoyable. And it you know, I've always enjoyed Saturdays for MotoGP, but even more so now. And it definitely delivered. And I think the riders, apart from obviously perhaps a few that fell or whatever, but I think the riders enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Um Jack. You got your. You were the only one who predicted the result of the sprint race, correct? I'll, I'll, I'll throw that in for you now. Um, what did you make of the the first sprint race? Because really, it threw some some maybe some names we didn't expect to be at the front, right up towards the front, including Red Bull KTM rider Jack Miller. Yeah, it was great. You know, every single lap there was something going on. <laughs> no matter what position, yeah, you know, anywhere in the top five, something was happening. But yeah, it was just really entertaining. Just watching Miller just. Cl- claw his way through the field so quickly and then unfortunately dropping drop back as well. Paco doing that a really controlled race, which 
didn't no one really expected in a sprint race. Everyone just thought he'd be all out aggressive. Obviously, he did have a fortune after crashes, and then you also have Maverick Vinales that surprisingly was qu- being quite aggressive as well. So mm-hmm. it was all it was just all action packed, really. And it was good that he did get the side on the last lap, as sort of expected and, and we hoped for. And hopefully, all sprint races can continue like this, just hopefully with a few less crashes. Yeah, uh, Dawn, I'll go to you about this. There were five people who were who crashed out of the uh, the sprint race, I believe. Uh, Joan Mir, Augusto Fernandez, Anea Bastianini, Luca Marini, and Marco Bezzecchi. Uh All uh, I was going to say, all separate incidences, apart from the Luca and Anea incident where uh, they came together. What did you make of sort of the aggression that was shown in the sprint race? Was it potentially a, a bit too much from the riders or is it the sort of thing that we expected really for the first sprint race where they're all figuring it out? I think we expected it, to be honest. Like you say, they are, they are figuring it out. And I saw an interview with David Tardotzi and he was saying that they need to control this aggression, obviously because Bastion Uni's rider's gone down. But I don't think you can. They know they've only got, 13, 14, 15 at the most laps and they've got to get at the front and they're going to run out of time. So I can't see them uh, lessening their aggression at all. No, I, I can't see. The thing is with a, I guess with a MotoGP rider, when that adrenaline goes and it's a shorter race, they're going to go for it. And you could see that with likes of Miller and, and Marquez even in that race who were just showing, and even the Aprilia teammates of Aleish and Maverick, at one point they sort of had a collision and uh, you could see after the check and flag, Aleish wasn't particularly too happy with his teammate um, who finished fifth in front of him. Um, uh, Dawn, the thing is though with the sprint races, do you think um, it was a good idea bringing them in from from uh, Dawn or in the FIM to actually add something to a Saturday and make there more engagement on a qualifying day? Or do you think really it wasn't quite needed for, for MotoGP and it should stick to World Superbikes? No, I think it's a good thing. My personal opinion, definitely. And I think speaking to a lot of people, they really enjoyed it. Jack, if you were, say, a new fan coming into MotoGP, would uh, would you have watched the Sunday race after watching the sprint race? Um. I'd say you'd be disappointed by the Sunday race, given mm. how action-packed the sprint race was. That's the only problem I think there is. But uh, sprint race delivered on every front, provided entertainment for every lap, and it definitely could already be a contender for race of the, of the year in any category. So, uh, yeah, just for a new fan, I think it'd be good. That kind of racing's good. The long race... If you have a lack of knowledge for what's actually happening, it might not be a, a fun race to watch unless in the mid part of that of that race. But uh, I think it's a it's a good taster for any new fans. Yeah, uh, the sprint race. Uh, I'll go through the results. Peko finished uh, first, took the victory in the first ever sprint race. Jorge Martin finished second. Mine and Dawn's prediction for for who would win. Mark Marquez took a I'd say a surprise podium after getting a pole position. Uh, Jack Miller in fourth. And Maverick Vinales in fifth. Uh, the top nine only score points in sprint race, just like in uh, in uh, World Superbikes. Uh, Dawn, what did you make of the incident between Luca and Anea Bastianini? Uh, that was just unfortunate. It was a racing incident. And Luca, he's not a crasher. 
I think, did he go last season without having any crashes at all? So, no, I think one. he was just yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, Jack, what did you make of the, the Luca and Nea Bastianini crash? Uh, racing incident or potentially a little over-ambitious from Luca? Oh, it was racing incident for me. Nea left a lot of room on the inside and Luca was just on the natural racing line and had there not been a crash, we'd just probably gone side by side through turn six, but Unfortunately, Luca crashed at a very odd part of the, of the corner. He passed the danger point, and as he's about to hit the gas and rise back up the hill, the front just washed from underneath him, and his and his bike, fortunately, the, was going in the way of an air, and that force just sent an air flying into breaking his shoulder blade. But uh, it's not it's not a fault of over aggression or anything. It's just extremely bad luck, really. Yeah, it, uh, it has put an air out for for uh, next weekend and he'll hope to be back for for America. I'm not sure if he will be. We'll yet to see what Ducati say. Um, but yeah, the sprint race success. I think we've we've all agreed on here that it was it was a welcome addition to the, the MotoGP weekend. Uh, Jack, you've sort of mentioned that the, the feature race wasn't as exciting as the sprint race, but it, it still had its it threw in its wild moments and We'll go straight in with the man who really dominated the weekend, Peko Bangiaya. He qualified second on the grid, won the sprint race, won the feature race. Jack, I think you wrote it in the notes for this podcast. Near perfect weekend for Peko. Yeah, I mean, he took the lead on lap two, which was a very crucial thing, as we found out in lap three. But he just got to the front, controlled the pace, did not fall under any pressure from when Maverick was... Um, yeah, we know good Maverick at the end of the race and... Pecco didn't let that bother him at all. He controlled the pace, he controlled the tyres, made sure he did everything perfect and he's just riding in on such high confidence and Ducati just, you know, uh, Tardotti was saying now, Pecco hasn't, there's nothing different. It's just Pecco's just got so much self-belief in himself and at the end of the day, that's, that could be a difference between winning a race and finishing 10th. So, uh, yeah, he's just riding on the crest of a wave. He's really confident and, if you're if you're a rider like Paco who does everything perfect anyway, it's a it's a scary prospect for everyone on the grid. Yeah, Dawn, I think I think we can both agree with what Jack's just said there. That it really is a scary thing when you see Paco come out and start a season like that, especially after he started last season in in Qatar. We mentioned it last week where he took out Martin. Um, it was just really he was untouchable all weekend and. I think now, looking ahead to the rest of the season, it's Peko's to lose now, would you say? Yes, definitely. He, del- he delivered a masterclass, definitely. Because I didn't really expect him to win the sprint race, and he did. And like I say, he controlled the feature race. So, yeah, and he, he just he's really got a mature head on his shoulders at the moment. And I think he's done some great training over the winter, and it's done him well, and yeah. Perfect. Yeah, another uh, VR forty six rider who uh, who really rode a, a very mature race after his 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 sprint race was Marco Bezzecchi claiming another MotoGP podium. Um, Jack Bez back up on back on the podium. What did you make of uh, of that? Yeah, he did a very good ride. Two and a half seconds off Peco is a very very good ride. Um, especially you know it's only second season. He recovered from the mistake he made in the sprint race. He learned from that. He knew exactly what line not to take. You know, he said it was only a, only 
took the inside bit like 20 centimetres more. That's the difference between crashing and staying on. But yeah, I mean, perfect ride. He managed to escape the Alex Marquez train when uh, before the train was starting to form. And he just put his head down. At one stage, it did look like he might have been able to close down Maverick, but uh, fortunately, the gap was just a little bit too big by the time he uh, got to third place. But really mature ride by Bezeki and showing his talent and showing what we all know um, is possible for him. And you know, this could be a sign of things to come. Yeah, definitely. Bezeki, one of the most talented riders on the grid, I'd say, at the moment. He, he's definitely that little bit special. Um Maverick Vinales, uh, six tenths behind uh, Peko and Bezeki, like Jack just said, 2.7 seconds behind uh, Peko for the win. So really, it was it was an incredible ride ready from Dawn, uh, ready really from Maverick, wasn't it, Dawn, to say that uh, he could stick that close to Peko. And it did look like at one point he was going to challenge for the win. Yes, it did, definitely, because really you'd expect Aleish to be up there rather than Maverick. So, yeah, I think he's uh, started his season campaign very well. And I think he knows he's got to, I think this year, he's got to get, you know, some points in the bag and keep finishing on the podium and beating his teammate. I think that's an important thing. And he started off very well. Yeah, beat his teammate in both the sprint and the feature races. His teammate, Aleish Spargaro, down in ninth place, which was a bit of a surprise, I'd say, for Aleish. Um, Jack mentioned it, the Alex Marquez train, he called it with um, the riders between 4th and ninth all pretty much locked together for the end of the race, including Zarco, Alex Marquez, Brad Binder, Jack Miller, Fabio Quattararo, and Alicia Spargaro. One rider in there that really I did did stand out to me for bad reasons this weekend was Fabio Quattararo. Jack, a very sort of dull start to the season for Yamaha and Quattararo, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, after the end of testing, you're like, oh, they found something. They'll be com- if cause we, we know with Fabio, if he has a good qualifying, then that's where he can be more competitive. And if he can get to the front, he can ride his lines. It'll be fine. But I don't think anybody expected to, for them to go one and a half seconds under under the lap record in qualifying. And fortunately, that meant Fabio was starting in eleventh place. And when he's when you're stuck there and Every other bike has a completely different riding style to Yamaha, which, when you stop behind it, takes away the Yamaha strengths. It's a real problem. Like when Fabio was in clean air, I think he was matching the pace of Maverick and Peko, but just he just could not find a way through. Even with the increased horsepower of the Yamaha, he's he's still struggling to make moves and still able to not use the strengths of that Yamaha when it comes to a battle. Yeah, it, uh yeah, 11th place. Not a usual place you see Fabio in qualifying. It was a, it was a shock. Uh, however, both Yamahas did score points in the feature length. Uh, however, Franco only did score points, really, because 14 riders finished the race. He was 27 seconds behind the uh, 46 uh, teammate of such, Peko Bangaya, who won the race. Franco was um, Dawn. Still disappointing times for Frankie Morbidelli, and I know it's something that none of us really wanted to see this season. Him down and last again. No, we really didn't. And I, you know, on Friday he showed a few promising laps, and I thought, oh yeah, he's, he's going to get his head down and do a bit more. But no, definitely not. It, it, I'm worried for him really. 
I can't really see him progressing much more, to be honest. But mm. we'll have to see. Jack, th- there had been rumours already that Jorge Martin had been looking around that factory Yamaha slot. Um, Frankie, out of contract at the end of the year. Do you think it would be wise? We'll go wise from Martin to go from Pramac Ducati to Yamaha. No. Mm. When you look at Yamaha, this is how I see it. Since the change of rules from like Bridgestone to Michelin and the change of electronics and everything, Yamaha seems to be one of the only teams that have been a bit um, ignorant, I'd say, to things. Mm. Like, it's, like they've, they've had Rossi, they've had Cotteraro telling them all these problems, and it seems they it takes them two years to finally listen and understand that that's the problem. And by the time they've done that, they've then got another problem and another problem. And I think that's ultimately been Yamaha's problem. If they just listened to their riders and gone, okay, this is a problem, let's fix it. They'd probably be in a stronger position than they are now. They'd probably be able to fight for the race wins week in, week out. But yeah, I'd say for Martin to go one, what is arguably the best bike ever seen you know, the GP23 Ducati on a it's factory spec. It may not be in the factory team, but it is. But the Pramac team is a very solid team. They've won races, have constantly finished on the podium. They've always been the top independent team. To go to Yamaha, I feel like we're getting a... a um, I'm trying to think, there's a... Um, a Cal Crutcher situation where maybe he's just that desperate to have a factory ride and he's not thinking what the consequence of that could be. So he's going to go from a good... So this is all the opposite. You know, Cal's on Tech 3... Tectoire, Yamaha, he really wanted a factory ride. He couldn't get that, so he went to the factory Ducati team and relatively struggled. And if Martin is doing the same thing, I feel like we could be seeing the exact same outcome. Yeah, that's a, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good comparison, actually. Cal Crutchlow, when he jumped um, back in, uh, was it for the 2014 season, he jumped over to Ducati for, for one year and really struggled on that factory bike when it really wasn't the giant that it is today. Um, yeah. Martin, not a great weekend either. Crashed out in the, the feature race after his podium in the sprint. Uh, maybe pushing a bit hard after the Marquez incident. Uh, down in ninth in the championship now. Uh, we'll move on to Moto2 swiftly. But uh, yeah, look at the championship before we move over. Peko's leading the way from Maverick Vinales from Marco Bezzecchi. And uh, one rider I did want to shout out real quick. Jack Miller is in fifth in the championship after round one. Maybe just because he likes Portimao, always seems to have fun there. Maybe that KTM is just, didn't look great in testing, but really when it comes to racing, Jack can pull something out of the bag. Um, Right, Moto2. Uh, Trying to think back to the Moto2 race. Ah, yes. Pedro Acosta really turned up at the start of the season and really dominance from the start, Jack? Yeah, he... Took the, he took the lead with some aggressive passes and perfectly placed passes. And then from then on, he just controlled the pace. He made sure Aaron Canet didn't get close enough to attempt to pass. There was one moment where Canet possibly could have made a, a, a move when Pedro ran right at turn five, but unfortunately, Aaron went and followed him. So there was no um, advantage to be gained by Canet, but it was a perfect uh, race by Costa. He didn't make... Apart from that one at turn five to make any mistakes, he perfectly controlled the race, controlled the tyres. Very, it was like Paco in the GP race, and can it just 
lacked that small little bit to try and win the race, but you know what I mean, it was pretty much a perfect race for Pedro. Yeah, uh, Dawn, I was going to call it a, a battle between Canna and Acosta, but really I don't think any any moves were attempted between the two when they got out front, but it was more of a, a mind game really from, from Acosta to Canna. What did you what did you make of their, their sort of, their, their, I'm just going to say battle again, their time at the front of that race? Yeah, it was really good and we were all thinking, could Canet do it? But another good thing though about Canet, he stayed on before, I think last season, he's been in a similar situation, nearly ready to take the lead and then he's crashed. But at least I think, you know, hopefully he's got a bit more maturity now and I think he rode a really good race and to finish second, very good. Yeah, it was a a very good start to the season for Acosta and for Aaron Canet. Still yet to see an Aaron Canet win. That's something that I, I think will come this season if he can just... Yeah. I think he didn't wear that bow tie, I didn't think, in the in the interview, did he, after the race? No. So I think maybe he's put that aside and hopefully we'll just see it happen this season because he deserves it, I think. He's, yeah, he he's the, He's becoming the ultimate bridesmaid of Moto2 at the moment and <laughs> he needs that win to potentially go on and win even more. Uh, another rider who stood out to me, uh, Tony Albellino, very solid weekend, third place for the Mark VDS rider. And uh, just looking down a little bit further, you've got Philip Salach and Manuel Gonzalez in fourth and fifth. Jack, you picked Gonzalez as your dark horse, I think, and I went for Salach. So our dark horses had a really strong weekend in, in fourth and fifth, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, Salach got the, he's tall black markers in, in Q2. He picked the perfect marker. He used Costa followed him, and we know Salas is a bit bigger, but they have got a bit more horsepower and revs this year, so that will help him. And but he used Acosta as a good marker when he was on a good lap, and he put in the perfect lap time at the right time, avoided all the other flags, and got pole position. And then in the race, he just lacked that little bit of aggression, I think, and that ultimately dropped him down to about six. But he was able to recover with <clears throat> good natural race pace to finish fourth, which was really good. And then Gonzalez. Very good ride. Apart from the, the bike being completely ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a good ride by him. He, he rode well, fifth place, managed to pace well. And yeah, he just uh, did a very good job. The pair of them did a good job. Yeah, they really did. And yeah, I do agree, Jack. That, that we, I think we're going to mention it every every week there's been a GP, but that bike is ugly. I hate it. Um, <laughs> Dawn, the, uh, the British riders... Uh, had a had a, a strong weekend. I, I well, a, a decent weekend, I'd say. Jake Dixon and Sam Lowe's uh, sixth and seventh. Really, both got caught out because of their qualifying positions and their poor starts to the race. Really, yeah, it, it was a shame for Jake and Sam because, like you say, they were both really strong on Friday, and then I think Jake got hampered by a yellow flag situation in qualifying on Saturday. But I think it did show that they have got the pace, and I think if they they can get a good qualifying on the Saturday. They they definitely could both be race winners, I feel. Oh, yeah, definitely uh, race winner material showed by both of them. And it was good to see Sam Lowe's finish a race, I guess, and not, and, and not, and not crash out. Yeah, um, very decent rides from both of them. Uh, a good start to their season. Hopefully they can build on that position. Jack, we'll go to, to you for the other Brit in the in the field, Rory Skinner, uh, 22nd in his, uh, I was going to say debut race in Moto2, but it wasn't. Uh, 
the debut in his first full season in Moto2 and uh, his first Moto2 race at Portimao. What did you make of Skinner's weekend as a whole and not just his race performance? Well, I think it was uh, what we expected. You know, he was only like one second or two seconds away from like the likes of Dennis Foggia, Sergio Garcia, those kind of names. So to be that close is very, very good. Obviously, we in turn, the other person did, but it was Jordi Torres who's replacing Guevara. So, and if you look at that, it's not good, but it's, if you look at the actual performance, given his lack of experience of the circuit and the, and the bike and, and the tyres and everything, I think overall it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good weekend to start off with. And now we hopefully, he can just start chipping away at those few temps every single week and we can start seeing him claw his way up the field a bit more. Yeah, I think when we get to the more um, common European tracks, I think it's the best way to put it, like the likes of Jaref and Catalunya, we'll probably see uh, Rory rise up the order a little bit and maybe challenge for points if we're hopeful enough to see that from, from Rory early on in the season. Um, but no, good start to his time in Moto2. Didn't didn't crash out in the race. I'm trying to think if he crashed throughout the weekend. Did he throw it down the road no, at any point? No. no. Good start to the season, I'd say, then from Rory, not just going at it and throwing it down the road um just looking through seeing if there's any other riders that that stood out or underperformed uh vietti in 11th not a great start to vietti season on the fantic uh racing bike now which i think is much better looking than the, the uh vr46 master camp bike um sergio garcia got a, got a point on his his debut uh i thought that was a good start for him and uh yeah, really looking for it. Riders who crashed as well. Bo Ben Schneider got taken out. And Alonso Lopez had a really strange weekend, didn't he, Jack? To say that last season, towards the end of a season, and I think, uh, I can't remember who said it. I, think, I want to say it was Michael Laverty, maybe, who said that really he was walking on water at, at, towards the end of last season. And really strange weekend for Speed Up as a whole. What what did you think of, of their time? Yeah, it was really strange because, you know, Alonso, we've got pole at the end of last season. He was really competitive the majority of the rounds and then he's come to Portimao and it's it's all just not clicked at all whether that's just because the Calyxes have made the step and the Bosco Scuro hasn't well um, yeah it was a bit of a strange one but I think we got to move that aside we, they're going to Termas we know how good that bike is at Termas after Aldegar's performance yeah, we'll, we'll know we'll know where Alonso um, is once uh, we get to that round, obviously he hasn't been there for a good few years, so we obviously we'll have to learn the track again. But it was very, it was a very strange one, and we saw a bit over aggressiveness, like we saw from Alonso in Valencia when he was trying to stay in front of Acosta to keep that rookie of the year title. But I think um, we just got we just got to wait and see what the season lies for for Lopez when we get to the more natural. Rounds like Jaref and Lamar and Magello, etc. Yeah, um, yeah, a weird start for speed up. Potentially, we'll see more in in Termas, like Jack said, after their performance there last year. Uh, jumping down to to Moto Three now for the junior category. And Dawn, your dark horse prediction, I think it was actually was victorious in uh, in Portimao with with Holgado taking the win. What did what did you think watching the the now Red Bull KTM Tech Three rider when he uh, crossed the line into victory? Yeah, great performance. You know, he was at the front for most of the way and had a right good battle with Kelso. And um, 
maturing into a very strong rider and uh, I think he's going to be a championship favourite now. Yeah, I, I will agree with you. I think uh, if he can show maturity like that throughout the whole season, then yeah, he definitely will be a championship favourite. Um, Jack, two young guns, well actually I guess three young guns in uh, Moto3 who were up fighting at the front, David Munoz, Diogo Moreira and Rueda in second, third and fourth. Very impressive from those three and especially a very impressive rookie ride from uh, Rueda. Yeah, you know, the junior GP lot are now invading, <laughs> as we always say every yep. year, but now the, the new crop are invading, you know, Munoz, he came from junior, you know, they were all coming from these guys, they're all former junior GP world champions, rebel rookies champions, and we're seeing the crop of talent that these junior series these are, are producing now, and it's really good to see. And uh, yeah, Munoz, he was a good ride, he was aggressive, but it seemed like he, it was more controlled aggression than compared mm. to the last season. And Marrero, you could just see the that control he has for, and the feel he has for that Moto3 bike. And yeah, I think the fact that Diogo's got his first podium, that'll be a weight off his shoulders because last season he was a bit like Scott Ogden where you know, if he's got his, his top 10s, he can't get. For whole, for Marrero, it was uh, top 5s. But uh, he's got that third place, he's got that podium and now he's going to South America, his home continent, and I think he'll be wanting to try and get that first win. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, that him fighting towards the towards the front. And um, we, Dawn, I'll go to you for our British riders because Jack just mentioned Scott Ogden. Really a strange weekend for the British boys. Scott looked so promising in, in testing around Portimao and Haref. And when it came to, to qualifying and race time, it just didn't seem to work for Scott at all did it, this weekend. No, unfortunately, I think he, he went down on lap one and I think he more or less admitted it, it was just nerves with him after the race and it perhaps all just a little bit too much. I think he puts a little bit too much pressure on himself. He needs to just try and calm down because the results will come to him. He's a very talented rider. It was just so unfortunate. You know, it was really exciting to see, you know, he was definitely probably in line for a top 10 position. And then unfortunately, it was over very, very soon. And Josh Watley, 21st. And, yeah, he had a steady race. And it was probably where you think. So, yeah, I think uh, Watley did quite well. Yeah, uh, the British boys will be hoping for more in Argentina. I know I know Scott will be because he's, he, we said it last week as well, he, he showed such promise in pre-season. And hopefully the over-expectation on himself won't be too much for him this season. And hopefully he won't just start... Uh, crashing too often and I hope he can find his feet and really secure some good top 10 positions this season um, Jack we spoke about uh, Joel Kelso a little bit before we started recording uh, good strong weekend from from Joel and the CF Moto racing team obviously won't be taking part in Argentina because of a, an incident that happened after the race um, what did you make of his his weekend and the the incident that happened after the finish line yeah, it was he really strong weekend for for Joel. You know, when when he I think he got third place, and I was speaking to Tom Taporis, and he just said how good of a rider he is from his time when he raced with him in 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 Europe. And then in the race, you know, he he, he was really surprised with the fact that he led the opening laps of the race, and he looked good, and he shown the what the form he he'd shown in junior GP in twenty twenty one. Unfortunately, he just seemed like. 
he just couldn't stay there. He was just naturally going backwards. And but I think it was a very strong opening weekend. It's just unfortunate that now he's out of the next round due to just an unfortunate incident of just a badly timed tear off. Yeah, it, um, but it was it was a strong weekend from Joel. Uh, no doubt you can't argue that, and hopefully he will be recovered for for Austin. Hopefully, and and back in the back in the fight with his CF Moto team. Uh, just looking down the order once again at riders who potentially didn't live up to my expectations. At least um, we all had a Yumu Sasaki down for a race win. Uh, he finished sixth place. Um, Jack, do you think that's purely just Moto Free madness, or was there anything that that happened in the race that I'm potentially overlooking that happened to Sasaki? I think it's just Moto Free. You know, we there were points where he led the race and things like that. I think it's just. I think because what the problem um, is, is Sasaki is from the crop of riders that were less aggressive and we're seeing as these young talents keep coming in, the aggression has been turned up and turned up and turned up. So when it comes to these dog fights with these massive groups, that's where Iyumu's got to step up and try and be a bit more aggressive. Because last season, could have uh, Ifan Guevara's natural pace he was able to stretch the groups out and we hardly ever saw a massive group race and those were the races where Sasaki ultimately was really strong because it was not that big of a group and he always cleared off with the with the front pack so I think it's just going to be Ayumu's got to just try and stay safe pick up the points when points are hard to come by but um, I'm sure once everything clicks together in a good way he'll be back at the front um, winning races yeah, um, probably will be towards probably a term. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the front again. Uh, Dawn, your championship prediction of Dennis Onshu. He had a, a very uh, rough start to, to the Portimao race. Uh, I believe he stalled it on the grid and then had to start from pit lane. But he had a solid race, really. Finished 10th place. What did you make of the Turkish riders uh, start to the 2023 season? Yeah, very strong. Like I say, very fortunate that he had to start from pit lane. Because and, he, and towards the end of the race, he was catching them. We kept seeing him sort of like, he's catching, he's catching, he's going to, you know, I think he just basically ran out of laps really. Else he would have, I think he could have been in the fight, definitely. But yeah, he, he's a strong performance and hopefully he can uh, do more the next round, not stall his bike. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Onshu towards the front. And uh, I think now's a, a perfect time to move on to our, well, looking at our, our predictions from last weekend are moving on to our predictions for, for this weekend at uh, Termas. And Jack, really, you nearly had a, a near-perfect weekend for, mm-hmm. for predictions-wise. You got three, three out of four that applied. You got Bangyaya winning the, the feature and the sprint race in MotoGP. You got Acosta winning in Moto2. The only rider that let all of us down, really, I guess, was Ayumu Sasaki. Um, do you think you're going to be able to do it again this weekend, is the, is the question. Absolutely not, <laughs> because there's such a la- there's such an unknown about Termas. Because you're going to base off last season, the last season was just straight was a strange weekend anyway. Because they only had, effectively they had one day of running before racing, so um, it's and you don't know the weather might be a bit iffy as well. It says it's going to be rain maybe in the morning or overnight, and that completely washes the track out of all the all of its grip. And to us, I was going to go before he injured himself. I wasn't going to go with Marquez for a win because I know how strong he is. At, at Termas, but now he's out. It's sort of like 
it's opened up this pool of riders and it's like you just got to just try and figure out which bike will be most suited to the circuit which riders will be most suited to the circuit it's, it's a real could be a real tough one to try and perfect yeah um just for other predictions uh me and dawn both got the sprint race wrong we both went with martin however we did both go with bangyaya for the feature race and dawn you went for dixon for the for the for the moto2 race which uh didn't go it didn't go too well but argentina more unknown it, it, it's it's gonna be a wild one uh is the best way to put it um oh jack since you did since you did so well last weekend we'll go for you who do you think will win Let's go for the Moto3 race because it's uh, going to be even more unpredictable. So who will win the Moto3 race at uh, in Argentina? I'm going to go for the kind of home rider. I'll go for Diego Moreira. The reason being, he's got a really good feel for the bike. He's going to be in kind of his home Grand Prix. It's the most home Grand Prix you can have, unfortunately, because they don't race at Brazil. But I just feel like that kind of circuit, it like it. Requires someone who has a good feel for the bike, especially when the grit's a bit low. And with Moreira's natural talent, I feel like that might just be the little edge to give him that first victory. Yeah. Uh, Dawn, what do you think for the Moto3 race in Termas? I'm going for Dennis Onchu again. I just think he put in a late, very late, strong performance um, last weekend. So, yeah, he's my prediction for Moto3. Uh, Jack, I'm going to agree with you. I think Moreira, he did well. I'm just looking at the results from last, se- uh, last season there, and I know we probably can't take a lot from them, but he finished sixth there last year. So I, I have a good feeling about Moreira coming into the, this weekend, and uh, I think we will see him on the, the top step of the podium. Um, Jack, Moto2, are you sticking with Pedro Acosta, or, have you, or are you going for someone different? I think Pedro will be on the podium, but I think he'll just lack something to win. And I think this lack of something to win won't be down to him. I think we're down to the machine. And I'm going to say that he's going to turn around the upset from last year. I'm going to put. I'm going to go big here. Fermin Aldeguer is going to take that victory. He should have took last season. I'm going to just go with that. I have no um, idea. It's just, I want to go for a big bet. <laughs> Fermin Aldeguer. I do you know what? I would put money on that actually because he he was very strong there last year. Um, believe he took pole position, did he? In, yeah. in for that Grand Prix and uh, crashed out battling for the lead with with Vietti. Uh, good prediction. Uh, Dawn, your thoughts for Moto Two in Argentina? I I am wondering about Vietti because I think. He was stronger this uh, last weekend and he had a long lap permanency that just totally ruined his race, really. So I'm going to go Vietti. Vietti for Dawn. Um, yeah, again, a, a solid Moto2 rider. Uh, definitely was strong there last year, one by 1.5 seconds. Um, ooh, who's going to win at Termas? I'd love to back one of the British boys, but I just don't think I could see it happening. I'm going to go... Aaron Kinnett. I reckon he's going to get it. I reckon he's going to get that first Moto2 victory. That's who my prediction is lying with. Uh, Jack, the MotoGP sprint race. Obviously, we haven't haven't had one at Termas. Potentially even more difficult to predict. 
who are you saying will take victory in a sprint around Termas? I'll go with, I'm just going to go based off last season, Alicia Spargrill. Mm. Any 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 other reasoning or just purely because he won there last season? He won there last year. The Prelude's improved. The bike that bike seems to be the most stable out of all the bikes, and I just feel like if the surface is exactly the same and everything runs smoothly for Alicia like it did last season, I think he would. And he's he's a screen biter, so those short distances he can just put together some good laps. I think he'll win the sprint race, but I'm still not sure. But I'll go with Alicia. On the uh, the sprint race for you, who who's going to take victory? I'm going to go Jack Miller. I just think he a real strong performance in the previous sprint race, and I just think he'll be up there again, and he knows what to expect this time as well. So Jack Miller. Jack had just come to my mind for a, a sprint race victory around Termas as well, because I know he, he he likes it there. He uh he really you know you can see that he's a. He's a fan of the circuit when they go there. Uh, maybe not last year as such, but do you know what? I'm going to agree with you, Don. I think we're going to see Jack Miller in KTM colours. I was going to say on top of the podium, but it's not a podium, is it, for the sprint race? It's a presentation on the grid, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, Jack will be getting the, the winner's medal at uh, mm-hmm. Termas for the sprint race. Jack, the feature length race, who are you going for as the MotoGP winner of the main race? I'm going to go for an Aprilia double, but this time it's in Maverick Vinales. Oh, Maverick Vinales. I feel like, because, you know, Termas is a very tyre-wear-heavy track. We know how good Maverick is on tyres. We know how good the, And last season, when he was really bad on the Aprilia, at the stage it was bad on the Aprilia, he still got a top seven. So I'm thinking, he has won at Termas before, and he looks so strong at Portimao. I just feel like if that bike is still as suited to Termas as it was last season, in a race trim, longer race trim, I think he'll outshine Alish and take his first victory since Qatar 2021. I was going to say bold predictions from Jack this weekend, and maybe they are actually. Go and go and I go and all in. We kind of want to go bold this weekend. All right, fair enough. Uh, Dawn, the MotoGP feature uh, length race winner. Who are you? Who are you putting your money on? Uh, Peko for me. I just think he was that strong this past weekend. I just, just think nothing's going to be too much for him. Yeah, Peko Bangyaya for Dawn, Vinales for Jack. Really, the the smart money says Bangyaya, but I'm tempted to join Jack on some sort of wild sort of guess. And do you know what, Jack? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Maverick Vinales. I think. He showed something in Portimao, and I really do think we could see uh, Vinales stood on top of the podium for the first time with Aprilia. Uh, all his second places for Aprilia have come from uh, have happened when Bangyaya has won. So you know maybe we'll finally see a turn of fortune for Vinales and uh, another Aprilia win at Argentina. Uh, I think that's her. A good place to to end our talk about MotoGP and move on to the BSB testing, which has been happening thick and fast at Donington, which Jack and Dawn, you were both at for a rather what looked cold and and, and wet day at, at Donington Park. Uh, how how was your time up at, uh, up at Donington? Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, there wasn't a great deal of track time by the riders. It was just 
very inconsistent. It, you know, one minute it, the sun was shining, so a few would go out, and then the clouds would start coming in. The rain was literally bouncing off the garage roofs at one point. So I just really feel for them because most, I think at Silverstone today, I'm just looking, there's 28 riders out on circuit for the BSB, but they're not having much luck, you know, for the getting in preparation for round one. Yeah, it's all been a bit of a uh, sort of, uh, as I said, disaster really, but it hasn't, it's just a, a lot of, weather conditions haven't been nice to the riders um jack out of sort of the riders we we did get to see go out on track was there any that sort of again stood out to you as potential championship favorites well josh brooks he's changed from the pbm ducati he's gone to the fho bmw and to me he's the only rider that has actually gone out in most sessions he's the only one who's he's done the most laps in testing he's gone out in every session more or less, and he's trying to understand that bike as quick as possible, so the team can understand it as quick as possible, so he can be the strong. He can be strong and try and get back to the front, like we've seen countless times. And he's generally been top two in every session, top three. And it seems like even though the BMW seems to be in a world of trouble and world spec, you know, it has been only been wet and damp conditions. The BMW is looking very strong. In BSB spec, so we just obviously wait for proper dry running. We haven't had that yet, apart from the last session at Donington. But yeah, Josh has been the one who's he's been the the work. He's done the most work out of everyone so far in terms of on British soil. Yeah, I was about to, um, I was about to ask you actually with the uh, the BMW. Could we fall into a thing of how it is in Worlds, or do you think with the different sort of way that BSB is run and how the bikes are set up that maybe the BMW will just suit the the British specs better than the world specs? Yeah, but I mean, we saw we know BMW's problem is something to do with rear grip, and that might be electronics based. We know, and we saw in World how strong the electronics of Ducati is, for example. But the last season with Ducati and BSB spec. The, the lack of electronics is probably what held them back because they can't control the power as well. So I think it, it's probably just used to the electronics, I would guess. But, um, it, I mean, you look at the grid now, four BM, three BMWs inside the top four. BM, and it's usually Yamahas or BMWs out of top the sessions. So it's looking so far, it's going to be Yamaha versus BMW season. But obviously when, you know, you will have your... Uh, your you will have the PBMs, the the and Eden. You will have uh, some Hondas turn up. You will have the Kawasaki's turn up. So it's obviously not a full gone conclusion already because it's testing, but um, it's definitely looking good for the new BMW M one thousand double R. Yeah, uh, Jack. Jack just mentioned it there with the Yamahas. Dawn Car uh, Ride has looked really strong throughout all of testing. Um, it, it it does look like at this point he may be the the preseason uh, uh favorite going into this season. What have you made of of Kyle's preparations coming into twenty twenty three after his teammate Brad Ray last year won the won the championship? Yes, very good. I think yeah, I think Kyle's definitely a favorite, and he hasn't been able to put a foot wrong really in testing. And I know he's been working hard preseason with his fitness and things like that. He's definitely giving everything a hundred percent and. I think uh, definitely uh, he's going to be one to look out for. 
yeah, we're not very far away now from the, the start of the BSB season. It's all getting very close. Um, just having a look now to see the exact date, and it's not loading, which is which is great. Uh, it's the Easter, Easter weekend. Yeah, the seventh to the yeah a week on Friday. A week on Friday till BSB starts. Um, are you both still going for the opening round at Silverstone? Yeah, Saturday and Sunday we'll be there. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to come along and see you guys again because I'll be there throughout the weekend as well. Just watching on, seeing seeing how to, seeing the BSB boys again around uh, Silverstone, and honestly, another rider that I have looked at and I am excited to see this season again in BSB is Charlie Nesbet, who ended last season on a on a superbike and currently just looking at testing at a rather wet and rainy Silverstone circuit, which isn't uncommon at this time of the year. He's sat in sixth place on a Honda. Jackie's been he's been looking pretty decent since he's made that switch from a Suzuki to a Honda. Yeah, obviously it'd be a bit different because of how user-friendly that Suzuki is and how strong it is on the front end. But ultimately, we know how strong that Honda is, especially around Silverstone, given Glenn's performance uh, last season. So we know uh, Spud has got a good got a good amount of talent, and he'll he'll be mature in the way he progresses through this season. He, you know, he was getting top tens in his, in his debut races, really. So um, I think. Give him some time to for the team to understand the Honda and him to understand the Honda. I'd say, give him some more, give him some dry track time. Um, by mid season, he definitely could be inside that top five fight. But unfortunately, that's going to be crowded with a lot of riders because I mean, you can look at the entire grid and go, yeah, they could win a race. So it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Spud and the the build base. No, it's not Bill Bates anymore, is it? <laughs> but the, mm. the the that team, I can't remember what the sponsor is now, but the team, him and Josh Owens, because Josh Owens as well, he could be he could be one to look out for because I feel like he's been held back a little bit with the team he's been with for the past few seasons. Mm. But we see we saw like GP two once at <clears throat> Fruxton, completely blitzed everyone, likes of Kyle Wright, Jack Kennedy, Ben Corey, he completely blitzed them all. So the talent's there. He's just hopefully now he's got the bike to to prove it. Yeah, uh, both on Hondas this season, both teammates, both got different sponsors, uh, different looking bikes, but very good looking bikes from what I've seen of the pictures. Uh, Dawn, a rider that sort of has announced something since our last podcast that we should really bring up since he's been there and testing, really. Um, Leon Haslam, he is uh, part of the Rocket BMW Motorrad team in BSB, and really it was... Not surprised to see him on a on a BMW really since uh, he was out in in Spain testing on one, but he's now made it official. It's a very good looking bike, looks similar to the the World Superbike ones, and currently, as we sit with thirteen minutes to go in the uh, the test session at Silverstone, uh, Haslam's third. What have you what have you made of the the Haslam news and the fact that he will be on the grid again in twenty twenty three? Yeah, we weren't surprised that he, he was going to be on the grid, but I think just a big shock it was him changing to a BMW after all these years of being on a Kawasaki. But yeah, the bike's stunning, and he was looking really proud on, on Saturday, and there was so much attraction to his garage once he announced it. And uh, I think it could be a little bit of a, um, a new era for him, really. And you can't doubt him as a rider. He's a fast rider. So I think I'm quite excited to see what Leon, Leon can do. Yeah, Leon Haslam, uh, 
39 years old now, will be uh, 40 uh, this season. Um, definitely the most experienced rider on the uh, the BSB grid, uh, on a BMW, which looks like it's working well in BSB specs, like Jack had said. Um, definitely putting himself out there as a championship contender at this point, I'd I'd go on to say, and uh, it's good to see it. Uh, Leon's a fan favourite, and hopefully the Pocket Rocket will be fighting up uh, towards the front. Uh, before we before we end today, Jack, uh, BSB-wise, any other rider that's catching your attention from, from testing and maybe a little bit surprised how far up the order they are? Well, you've got Danny Kent currently leading the session, but it's... So for Danny, it's good because that's a new team, new bike, etc. Really good. Just problem is they've had no dry running on, on, on in British soil. So that's the problem I've got. So you can't take a lot from it. But one thing that if, if, a thing that's caught my eye is the fact that OMG are running different suspension this year. They changed from Olin's to Bi Turbo, and so it's, it's a suspension make I've never heard of before. It's really caught me off guard to when this change happened, why this change has happened. But it seems to be working. <laughs> but uh, I'm surprised they've changed from Olin's because Yamaha used Olin's for ages. And every Yamaha usually runs Olin's apart from when the apart from the tag Yamaha used to run KTEC. It would be interesting to see how much of a change in suspension you can make and that might be the difference to why Kyle has all of a sudden you know, made that huge step. Yeah, uh, I I haven't been at any of the tests. Uh, I hadn't noticed that and seen it in any of the pictures. Um, good spot, really, Jack. I'm uh, maybe that is one of the reasons that that Kyle is now made that extra step and is uh towards the front. I don't think he's been out much in this session. To sort of give context on where he is. I'm just looking at the order. Think. Ah, yes, I've just did ten laps and it looks like he had a mechanical. Um, anyway, I feel like this is a. A, a good point to uh, stop this this week's podcast ahead of the BSB season that starts a, a week on Friday, and I'm very much looking forward to being back at a BSB event, seeing uh, some top quality racing. Uh, Je- uh, Dawn, are you looking forward to going back and seeing the BSB boys back at it again this year? Yes, definitely. So excited, and I just hope it's going to be dry. <laughs> Get some fast yeah. racing. Yeah, Jack, are you? Are you looking forward to seeing BSB back in action once again? Yeah, and the one thing I'm most excited about is just it's been after a few years of everyone being on the same bike, there's such a huge shake up. Change, yeah. So mm. you know, it should be interesting to see which I mean, you know, there are new bikes and new teams and new manufacturers that or teams that have changed manufacturers and all this stuff. So it should be interesting to see which package is the best. But it's most likely gonna be Yamaha's again. But it should be interesting to see which is the strongest manufacturer against Yamaha. Yeah, we've got some fast rookies, we've got some fast experienced riders who've changed teams and some fast looking teams. Uh, thank you both for joining me again this week on the, the High So News podcast. It's been it's been good fun once again. And uh, join us next week to hear about the MotoGP event that happened in Argentina and looking forward to the Silverstone BSB round for the opening round of the season. Thank you very much. Goodbye.